Chapter 25 The Centrum The silence that followed my grand speech was almost too much to take. But then, something beautiful, unexpected even, happened. They each bent onto one knee and placed their fists over their hearts, their left hands clasped over their right wrists, bowing their heads in a tribute. William didn't do this, however. Instead, he marched toward me and wrapped his arms around me in a fierce hug. I never thought you were leaving. I was just a little worked up from the fight. I shouldn't have said what I said, he whispered in my ear. I whimpered a bit, his hug crushing, and he let go, laughing and apologizing. Still a little broken, I groaned. His hug was followed by Sarah's, and then Rudder ran up and ruffled my hair, joking about how dramatic that speech seemed. But the group's gesture and the look in his eyes expressed the gratitude his words didn't say. I asked if I could train with the group, an idea William agreed with, although Raina and Claire immediately objected. It's good for her to train when she's not feeling her best. It shows us what she can manage. If she's up for it, let her do it, William said sternly. Though not a hundred percent, I still found myself moving quickly with a swift strength. We trained for a few hours before retreating into William's house for a well-deserved meal. The early afternoon sun shone brightly by this point, and I voiced my desire to see the city. If it was where Iris had her control, and if it was where I could find out more about her, I wanted to know what it looked like. I wanted to walk around. I feel like we're in a holding pattern because I don't know everything, I said. I'm not saying we have to show up on her doorstep. Going into the centrum is like showing up on her doorstep, Sam interjected. I need to know the world I'm dealing with, I shrugged. William sighed heavily and gestured to Hannah, who stepped forward. They shared a hushed conversation while I sat patiently, waiting for him to speak. He turned. Go with Hannah. She'll get you clothes. If you're going into the centrum, you can't wear that. You'd stand out in a second, he said. Hannah smiled, gesturing with her hand for me to follow her. Out of all the women here, Hannah was the closest to my size. Curvy, but compact. The first thing Hannah did was point me toward her bathroom. She followed me inside and reached into a closet. Pulling out a bottle... She told me to take off my shirt and flip my hair over into the bathtub. You can't go waltzing into the centrum looking like Iris. We're dyeing your hair, she said, shaking the bottle. Time to go blonde, sunshine. I groaned as I flipped my hair over the ceramic and let her dump the dye onto my head. The smell burned my nostrils. I liked being a brunette. As soon as she worked it through my hair, she rinsed it out. That was fast. I sighed, watching the water flow down the drain, taking my old hair color with it. Hannah towel-dried my hair and motioned for me to stand up. I glanced into the mirror and, well, it didn't look terrible, it also didn't look sensational. Oh, you look fine, Hannah said, rolling her eyes. Now for the tattoos. I shot her a confused glance. Sit down. I followed her to a small table with two chairs next to it. 
She left the room and returned a few minutes later with two boxes that looked like large makeup kits. When she opened them, though, they looked more like calligraphy sets. I raised my eyebrows. Tattoos are typical. Most of the common have them. The common? The people who live in the centrum. Oh, right. So does anyone else live outside the centrum? Oh, yes, but it's a harder life out here. She makes sure of that. Iris leaves those in the centrum alone for the most part, in exchange for their fear and respect. Be careful whom you talk to and what you say there. She has eyes and ears everywhere. I nodded. Tattoos, huh? I asked. They're not permanent. They'll stay in your skin for a few weeks at most, but they'll come off. I found the perfect combination of herbs and colors to make it look permanent, even though it's not. She began a long, arduous process of covering much of my face with a sprawling, symbolic tattoo. She told me it would be the best way to wander the city unrecognized. After all, I couldn't look too much like Iris if half my face was covered and my hair was blonde. The tattoo stretched down my collarbone, across my shoulder, and down my right arm. As she weaved it back up, she covered my neck, lips, nose, cheeks, and forehead in symbols, flames, and cascading shadows. When she finished, she sat back and admired her handiwork. She silently handed me a small mirror and tidied her mess, leaving the box open. I gasped when I saw my reflection. I barely recognized myself beneath the dancing shadows cast by the ink. I congratulated her on the exquisite craftsmanship, which she shrugged off as she led me to her closet. What exactly do people wear in the centrum? I asked, a little nervous to hear the answer. She said nothing as she opened the closet door. It revealed an array of things, some that looked like metallic corsets, gloves adorned with steel and gold and silver symbols, all sorts of leather boots from beat-up combat boots to knee-high heels that looked like they could kill. The back row of the closet was lined with capes and cloaks, crafted from all materials in all kinds of colors. Next to the cloaks, sitting on rows of hooks, were thin, skin-tight shirts in crimson, navy, black, and forest green. Hannah looked at me and shrugged, smiling. I didn't pick the fashion, she joked. Iris is into leather, apparently, I mused while I meandered around the enormous closet. I settled on leather pants, really the only choice for legwear. A crimson shirt with one of the corsets that was outlined with a deep green stitch, beat-up combat boots, and a long black cloak with a large hood. I squeezed myself into everything, which fit better than I thought it would. I forgot how much I'd worked out over the last few months, how toned everything had become. As Hannah tied me into the metallic corset, I begged for it not to be too tight because my ribs were still sore. They're mostly for show. They're not built like true corsets, she said. I hiked on the cloak once she finished, and she handed me a pair of crimson, black, and steel gloves. I slid them over my fingers while Hannah tied the cloak in the front and I flipped the hood over my head. Just then, William appeared at her front door, adorned in an outfit that looked both humorous and handsome on him. He wore a pair of leather riding boots which stretched all the way up his calves, 
tight pinstripe black pants, a crimson button-up complete with black bow tie, and a black leather vest, crimson stitching attached. He stepped inside, and it was like his breath got stuck in his chest for a minute when he saw me. The feeling was mutual. Why, Amelia, you're stunning. He planted a small kiss on my forehead before sitting down for his tattoos. You clean up pretty well yourself, I said, unable to turn it into a joke or sarcastic comment. He removed his tie, unbuttoned his vest and his button-up, sliding each off. I'd never seen him without a shirt. A blush burned my cheeks. He wasn't overly muscular, but he was certainly fit, his strength undeniable. His body glowed with it. Hannah worked diligently, her brush swirling along his arm up to his face, brushing his jawline every now and then so the tattoos peeked up from his neck but never reached his face. We sat in silence until she was finished. As William pulled his shirt and vest back on, I began to feel my pulse growing faster. I didn't know what to expect from the centrum. I didn't know anything about Iris's taste in architecture or anything except the steampunk undertones of the clothes. When I made a move to walk toward the front door, William and Hannah stopped me, instead leading me to the back door of Hannah's house. I stepped out into her backyard, and for the first time, I noticed the large sheds behind all the houses. I hadn't really taken the time to get to know my surroundings here yet. William turned left to head back toward his house. Cars, William said in his I-know-what-you're-thinking fashion. These are where our cars live. I thought you guys didn't... We don't, really. We can, but like I said, we typically choose not to. But it's better to blend in in the centrum than to stand out. Hence the clothes and tattoos. He slid his shed door open, a large metal slab on wheels, and the lights flickered on, along with all the lights in William's house. Motion sensors. Can't be too careful, even if your home is fully cloaked. We stepped inside, where four cars and a motorcycle sat. Do you really need four cars when you barely use them? Yes, he answered stoically, but I'd grown better at figuring out when he was lying, and there was something deeper to his reaction than he let on. He walked toward a flashy black two-seater, complete with blacked-out windows and spikes on the hubcaps. He slid inside, while I got in far less gracefully. We sped out of the shed and Hannah, magician she is, appeared out of nowhere. I watched her close the shed from the passenger side mirror. We reached the flat dirt road and took off, the street otherwise deserted. The car rolled comfortably for a good fifteen minutes while I stared out at the brilliant landscape, a tremendous mix of rolling green hills, stoic mountains, and endless countryside. The ride was so smooth that the car could be flying. We sped up as William expertly took the twists and turns of a large hill in stride. Once at the top, the sight that greeted us was a haunting horizon. The Centrum. It was as beautiful as the mountains and forests of Iriana. Only instead it was silver, steel, and black. A high wall surrounded the city on three sides with an immense mountain on the fourth. An icy empire. The mountain there is the citadel. It protects her. If you look hard enough, 
it almost seems alive. It's her house. She lives in a mountain? He shrugged as I shifted my gaze toward the citadel. I saw what he meant. The way the sun bounced from its ornamented silver, it danced in an almost domineering fashion. William pulled over on the top of the hill. He pushed my hood off and took my hair out of its messy bun, taking care to make sure it fell just how he wanted it. I was still surprised as the golden waves dropped around my face. William reached past me and opened the glove compartment. He took out a pair of leather gloves and placed them in his lap. Finally, he reached into the back and pulled out what looked like a plain, clear mask. Don't panic, he said as he placed it over his face. It hugged him so well that it disappeared. He turned to me and suddenly he looked harder, different, like the bones in his face shifted. Do I get one? I asked, peeking into the back seat. Your hood and tattoos are disguise enough. People won't be looking at you. But believe me, they'd look at me if I walked around in there. Why? Just play along. He dodged the question by pulling back onto the road and heading down the hill, rolling up to the gate. Oh, and Amelia? Hmm? I asked, not taking my eyes away from the two men outside the gate in black and gray suits with leather vests, leather suit coats, and black top hats. I'm sorry. Before I could ask what he meant, the two men strode up to the window. William reached over and pulled my face toward his. Our lips met, and it was unlike any other time we'd kissed. It felt dirty, messy. I quickly lost myself in him, gasping hard. A knock pounded on the window, but I didn't much care. William shifted, and I pushed myself further into him. Play along, eh? William removed his lips from mine, so I shifted my attention onto his neck, his collarbone. The window rolled down, but I kept going. William wrapped his hand around my neck as he talked with the guards, who seemed to be congratulating him on me. It was then that the full magnitude of this charade hit me. The best kind of deception for these men was women, and they'd surely lay down for a man who had one tied so tightly around his finger. I played along pushing myself into him even more, letting my hands crawl from his face down his neck. I stopped and grabbed the leather on his chest for a minute before moving lower still. Just as I was about to reach the top of his pants, I heard the guard say, Very good, Burns. You have fun with that one tonight. Keeping myself in the crook of his neck, I let my mouth peek out ever so slightly and moan a kind of thanks in the guard's direction. The two men disappeared from beside the car to open the gate. Once they retreated, William rolled up the windows. I finally pulled myself away from him. Touché, Amelia Clark. Well done, he said, his lower half squirming. I smiled. Leather pants can't hide much. I caught on, I said. I glanced out the windows to take in the centrum, almost derelict in its beauty but not run down or broken. It was more like someone built it to look a little off. Old. As if it had been there forever, but somehow shiny and new, like it could be there for eternity. People strode along the sidewalks with arrogant airs, decked out in silver and leather. 
We pulled up to an empty lot, but as we turned inside, I saw that it wasn't a lot, but a roof. We drove forward and down a ramp, behind a line of other flashy, futuristic cars. Each car pulled into a spot where a steel pole stood at the head. I watched as the drivers got out of the cars, walked to the poles, and flashed some kind of small card in front of them. The pole began glowing, and light extended out to engulf the entire parking spot, and suddenly the car disappeared. I turned to William, my mouth agape. Darkness and magic, Amelia. Where do they go? Into an even bigger lot under this one. It's how she keeps track of her people. She knows where everyone has gone, what everyone is doing. Everyone has a car. And everyone has one of these. He held up what looked like a credit card-shaped chunk of glass. If you're on the grid at all, which everyone is, you have to have one of these. Eyes and ears aren't always people. I stepped out of the car after William pulled into a spot and watched as he went through the motions of every other driver until his car disappeared into the underground lot. He held out one of the chunks of glass to me. Your identification while you're here, milady, he whispered. I took it in my hand and a picture of my tattooed face popped up, along with other random pieces of fabricated information. Portia La Pucelle? You're kidding me. Yeah, that doesn't sound made up. I whispered back. It won't here. I thought you'd like it. A little nod to your favorite wordsmith. Anyway, you're just eye candy. Excuse me? My tone made him backpedal. To them, you are. No one's going to pay attention to your name. Now please stop arguing or we're going to attract unwanted attention. I held my breath to keep my tongue from saying what I wanted to. So long as you hang all over me, Portia, he hit the name just so, we'll be fine. I rolled my eyes, and a higher, more ethereal voice made its way out of my mouth. Yeah, you'd love that. The sass remained the same, however. He smiled and offered his arm. I slowly lifted my hood back onto my head, not so my face was completely covered, just so I felt comfortable in such a new and different place. I pushed myself into him, hard, and gave his ear a small nip. He shuddered. If this was the only way to see the city, then I'd play along, but I'd make him squirm a little bit in the process. <laughs>